Talking Zeros. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Zeros Talking Heroes, the podcast that knows mankind has always feared what it doesn't understand. I'm your host, Joe, and I brought along two other Institute students to talk to you about... should have said Xavier Institute, but it's fine. <laughs> it is fine. <laughs> to talk to you about the movie X-Men, we've got sequel. The podcast that intends to fight by any means necessary. And Corey. The podcast that thought you lived in a school... And Matt threw in a bet. The the only podcast that would you prefer yellow spandex? That's a sentence. <laughs> Moderately, <laughs> it's tough to work these into. Before we get into our coverage of X Men, we're going to let you know what else we've been watching this week. Corey, what have you been watching? So Amazon Prime has a uh, movie up called Lost City of Z. Have you guys heard of this? Is this a zombie movie? No. It sounds like a zombie movie. It does sound like a zombie movie, but it's not. It's, um, I guess for lack of better terms, I'm going to call it a biopic. Uh, his name is Colonel Percy Fawcett. That doesn't start with a Z at all. It doesn't. We're getting there. Uh, it, the only reason I stopped and decided to start watching the movie was because Charlie Hunnam's in it, and I'm a big fan of Charlie Hunnam. I love him in Undeclared. It's the only thing I've seen him in. Yeah. I was, it's a good show. It is a good, good show. Um, you know, he played Jax on... Sons of Anarchy, I liked him in Pacific Rim. So, long story short, I stopped and started watching because of him. Turns out to be, like, a true-life, quote-unquote, biopic about this guy who goes into the Amazon and finds evidence of a lost civilization, goes home, gets a bigger expedition to go back. He's looking for what he calls the lost city of Zed, which apparently, it's essentially like an El Dorado story. So, it was it was pretty cool. Tom Holland's in it. So Spidey is in it before he's Spidey, which was cool. Um, is this a recent movie? Yeah. Okay, I remember seeing a trailer for this, and I'm like, he is not old enough to be playing this part. No, yeah, no, he was supposed to be playing like a 25-year-old guy. This Percy Fawcett is a real dude? Yeah, Percy oh. Fawcett's a real guy. I thought it was I thought it was a fiction, too, until I was like, you know, let me just hop on the Wikipedia here during like a slow moment, because it all, a lot of it takes place in London, which is slow-paced, apparently. It's a different culture. Different culture. Uh, so I jumped on, and I, yeah, the, the whole base story is pretty much true. Super interesting. Movie itself, not so much, but it's okay. And then I watched John Wick, because it's on HBO, and I was like, I've got nothing else to watch right now. John Wick 2, specifically. Still good. Still kills a lot of people. It actually kills more people. Yeah. I caught a couple more deaths, yeah. That's all I've been watching. Sequel, what about you? I've got nothing. You son of a bitch. You lied so hard. No, I've watched quite a bit. I watched the five episodes of The Flesh, the new season. That was five episodes. Season four? Season four. By far the weakest season. I really hope it picks up. So they're getting worse every season. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, they really are. That seems to be the trend with these uh, DC shows on cable networks. The era did the same thing. It started off pretty hot. Once the origin's over... Most superhero things tend to go downhill. Yeah. And I don't like it. No. This, yeah, this is the region. But maybe it'll pick up. I don't know. I've liked the finales of all the Flash seasons so far, so... I haven't seen an episode of three. Well, three is better than four. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> um, I saw a murder on the Orient Express. Thought it was pretty boring. That's not great. I was pretty hyped for it, but, uh... Yeah, it didn't live up. I think it's getting less than a 60 now in Rotten Tomatoes. It's pretty close, and uh, I think that's fair. It definitely is. It's like 55 or something. It's well acted, but it's just not a compelling enough story. Very predictable. 
and I saw Happy Death Day. Very good movie. I like that a lot. It's pretty, it's, um, I was going to call it unique, but it's pretty much a ripoff of a Groundhog Day, but they put like a horror element to it. It's more of like a dark comedy than a horror movie. This is the one where she wakes up and like relives her death day every day, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's her birthday. On the first day, she gets murdered at the end of it, and then she wakes up and she relives it. Uh, she thinks she has to either survive it or kill her murderer before the murderer kills her. The only good element of it is she's getting progressively weaker every time she wakes up. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so they add, they add that element to it, which is which was fun. So it's like there's actually like a ticking, ticking Tom bomb aspect to it. Like you can't just because that's what what is that other movie that Tom Cruise was in that was uh, kind of like Edge, Edge of, of Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, and he wakes up every time, and he's just as good as he was the first time. And he has all well, he has all the memories, so he's yeah. even better. He got, yeah, he keeps getting better and better. But not to spoil it too much, but there's one scene where uh, she's in the hospital. It's like the fifteenth time that she's reliving this day, and they get do a check uh, chest uh, X ray, or they, they look at her lungs, and the doctor's like, "Huh, it looks like you have multiple stab wounds to, to your lungs. You'd be like dead right now." And she's like out of breath, and then, so it's uh, it's That's pretty well cool. done. But yeah, I see a lot of movies when you're when your football team's a flaming dumpster fire, and then uh, you don't have much to do on the weekends. Yeah, that's fair. And I watched two movies. I used my fancy movie pass. Hey. To go see. Thank you for your service. The movie was pretty good, but it's really depressing, and I don't ever need to watch it again. Yeah, I'm never gonna see that again. It, it's sad. If even like half of that movie is accurate, it's sad. The treatment of veterans in this country. Do you watch the closing credits? Because they show the actual guys. Yeah. So I, I think it is accurate. But I mean, like, if if they didn't exaggerate that for effect, mm-hmm. then, yeah, it's a little bit eye-opening and sad. So support your veterans, everybody. Because God knows the government is. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And I also watched How to Steal a Million, which is an old movie with Audrey Hepburn and... I can't remember that guy's name. Magic of Editing, hold on. And Peter O'Toole. It was Peter O'Toole. <laughs> <laughs> you won't hear it, but we talked about Harold O'Toole. Like <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah. It's actually not bad. It's a little bit boring, because you know, sometimes in the 60s they didn't have the movies planned out to be action-packed exactly. But it's good. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what we've been watching. Let's get into the movie facts for X-Men. X-Men, from way, way back in the year 2000. It's rated PG-13, and it's one hour and 44 minutes long. Its director's name is Brian Singer, whose notable directing credits also include The Usual Suspects, Apt Pupil, X-Men 2, Superman Returns, Valkyrie, Jack the Giant Slayer, X-Men Days of Future Past, and X-Men Apocalypse, which we did already. The movie stars a bunch of people. We got Patrick Stewart, Hugh Jackman, Ian McKellen, Halle Berry, Femke Jansen, I'm sure I said her name wrong, James Marsden, Bruce Davison, Rebecca Romaine, although she's billed as Rebecca Romaine Stamos in this, Ray Park, Anna Paquin, and Tyler Maine. The budget for the movie was $75 million, and it grossed $296 million. 157 million of that was domestic. As far as the scores go, we got Rotten Tomatoes coming in at 81%. Certified fresh. With an audience score of 83%. IMDb has this movie at 7.4 out of 10. And Metacritic 
gives it a 64 with a user score of 7.8. Those are all the movie facts I have, so let's get into our general thoughts of the movie. Corey, you get to go first now. I don't know that I've watched this since, like, high school. I must not have, because I remember the movie being, like, really action-packed and really, like, well-written, and then I watched it after this, and I was like, the action's pretty good, but there's not a ton of it. And while the plot is good, I feel like some of the writing is a little rough. It was, I mean, very early, pretty much the start of the comic book movie boom, so they hadn't really found their groove yet. They're certainly doing some untested waters here, so I can give them a break on it, but again, I think the writing was a little iffy. There are some some fun little one-liners here and there, but overall, you know, it was fine. I think that they, they didn't do a great job character development-wise either. Sequel's turn now. 12-year-old sequel, really like this movie. Uh, it doesn't really hold up too well from 2000. It doesn't, uh, what, Constantine came out, what, oh, so what, 2005. 2005, it doesn't hold up to the Constantine standard, I feel, with special effects. Well, it's five years before it. Right, but I don't, I think it feels more like 25 years before it, with what we got. It might have been just me, but I don't know. We'll get to that, with the one scene I, have, I, I take umbrage with. Yeah, I mean, I can pretty much echo what Corey said. Like, um, the writing and the dialogue isn't the greatest, but that's not the, really the reason you go to see this one. Um, I, I like the action. I was kind of disappointed in two characters in particular. But overall, yeah, it's it's got rewatchability. It started the X-Men franchise, so for that alone. But yeah, it's um, you know, it's, it's strong for an X-Men movie. What do you think, Joe? I'm going to take you guys back to Christmas Day of the year 2000, when Joe received this gift from his parents of a DVD of the X-Men movie. I didn't really have my fingers on the pulse of the movies community back then, so I didn't even know there was an X-Men movie. Really? And the X-Men are my absolute favorite, so this was my favorite present of the year for sure. I popped it into the computer, because that's how I watched DVDs then. Checks out. And I watched it right then and there, that day. <laughs> you didn't even finish opening his presents. <laughs> that the last present you got, or sure hope it was. I don't think it was. So you're like, oh, I hope this is over. <laughs> <laughs> Calling it. <laughs> Sorry, Mom out. and Dad, you're not getting better than this. You're not, you're not topping X-Men. We bought you a new... You know what, it's fine. <laughs> you don't want the Power Wheels, we'll send the Power Wheels back. <laughs> 12-year-old. <laughs> a little old for Power Wheels. Was it? Where are you, though? I don't think I could fit in it at 12. I think you could have made it work. I don't know. I believe in you. I was a little tall when I was 12. Anyway. <laughs> so I think this is in the top five of movies I've watched most in my life. I've seen this movie many times. I still, and I actually think it holds up pretty well. Outside of some effects, because, yeah, the effects in this movie, the special effects, not great. But it was 17 years ago. Some characters I'm not exactly happy with. But the the movie as a whole is still good. I, without the, if this movie had bombed, we wouldn't have the MCU today. I don't think, or it would have been severely delayed because this was this movie kickstarted everything. This was the first Marvel property that did anything at the box office. I had a basis understanding that the X Men were from comic books by this point because they had the animated show. Like you know that these were comic book characters. Blade did not. Blade was just. That live action was the first time I got introduced to him, and it wasn't until much later that I realized he was technically a comic book character. So I, I think your point's valid. I don't think we have the MCU in the iteration that we have it today without 
the success of X-Men. Yeah, because this movie bombed, I don't know... You know, who takes the shot a few years down the road with Iron Man if this if this movie bombs? Yeah. Fair points. I mean, prior to that, just to echo what you're saying, you had Superman movies, you had Batman movies. Pretty much it. Yeah. No Marvel oh, presence whatsoever. Right. So. And then they sold this the X-Men franchise to Fox. Fox made this movie. At the time, this was one of the best, if not the best, superhero movie that was out there. For sure. At the time. Right. It's kind of cool. Like, cause I'm thinking, like, now is um, Batman and Spider-Man are huge properties for DC. Right? They're, they're two, two big Spider-Man. I'm sorry. Batman and <laughs> Superman. What I was going to say is, like, yeah, X-Men and Spider-Man, probably the two biggest properties Marvel had at the time. Yeah. And those are the first two movies they did, right? Yep. The first two big movies they did. Not counting Blade and the crappy 90 Captain America movie. And that no one saw. So. That no one saw. Right. It was a 90s Captain America movie? Yup, we're going to do it one day. It's, yeah, we should. It's terrifically terrible. Wait. It's actually, like, available. Like, it's pretty easy to find, too. Like, you can go to a movie store right now and pick it up, no problem. That's fantastic. Target sold it for a while. And that is a long and roundabout general thoughts for us. I like this movie. From here on out, we're going to be spoiling the movie X-Men. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it, because it came out 17 years ago. It's kind of important. See how you feel. Okay, spoilers time. Let's do this thing. Email? Do you want to start with the email? I yeah. mean, I don't know, we said we'd do it at the beginning. Yeah, I guess that's true. We have an email on the topic of the X-Men movie. It's from frequent emailer John. John writes, Hello, ZTH. The original X-Men movie is, in my opinion, an average superhero movie that I think is still entertaining today. I think Fox made the right call with casting and story relying heavily on Wolverine. I have two questions. One, was something cut in regards to Magneto's response to the X-Men team when referring to what happened to the Senator turning to goo? I always felt like I missed something or something was changed or cut. His response is, are you sure you saw what you saw? Like, they may be playing for the senator to have a bigger role, or does it just show Magneto's arrogance and inability to see his own failures? And two, considering all the movies that followed, what are your opinions on Fox leaning so heavily on Wolverine out of the gate? Looking forward to the episode, John. Thanks, John. We're going to address those questions. Hopefully we don't forget. I don't think we will. I think they're going to come up. When we get further into the movie discussion. I think we can address the second one now, right? Yeah, we can do that. I mean, I'll go first. I hate it. (laughs) I hate how heavy-handed it became. Yeah, this movie is almost manageable. It's still the Wolverine story. Like, this is supposed to be an ensemble movie. It is not. It's Wolverine. That's actually one of my bigger gripes with the movie, is the poor mistreatment of Cyclops. I hate that so much. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny that you should mention that because the tweet that we got... Please, what is that tweet, Corey? ...about the... deals exactly with that. At Rumpelmatz, uh, he asked, which character are you most disappointed in? As a kid, Cyclops was my guy. Always played him... Uh, always played as him in the arcade game. But in the movie, he was so flat. Loved James Marsden, but not a great portrayal. I think that's the... that's. The only real character development we get in this ensemble movie is Logan's character development. We get Rogue. We get a little bit of Rogues, sure. And Logan, but the other. But that's it, right? You know, I mean, there's so, and it's hard. I I understand the the complicated issue that we're dealing with here. You have six, seven characters that you want to develop in an hour and forty minutes. It's not going to happen. But they still could have done a little more than they did. I feel like get it right with first class because that's an origin story. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't an origin. Everything's established already, and you just got two randos, for lack of a better word, joining. Sure. 
they're get, getting thrown into the mix. I hate the mistreatment of Cyclops, but I'm more disappointed with Sabretooth. Sabretooth is pretty terrible in this, but I hate the Cyclops because he's that casting with James Marsden is a fucking home run if he's written as like a decent character. Because Cyclops is not at all what he's like. Like he's the leader, he's decisive, he's not a complete fucking tool. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean... I, I felt like... And I don't feel like he got any better or less toolish as the movies progress. He gets way worse. He gets way worse. <laughs> there are some really good moments... That we're not going to... I'm not want to touch on this too much right now, but there are some really good, like... Not even, like, lines. Just nonverbal moments of Cyclops mm-hmm. that, that are done well and give you a good insight into his actual character, but anything coming out of his mouth is not written correctly. Yeah, agreed. As far as Cyclops goes for the most part. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I agree with the sequel in this. I think that Sabretooth was was the the letdown for me. And it's... I think what made the letdown worse was that he looked right. I felt like he looked the part, but you just don't get... He's... I don't like it. If you miss, There's a yeah. really good backstory involved here that they just kind of gloss over but hint at a little bit, which is bothersome. Just leave it out. If they don't want it to be the case, just leave it alone. It's, it's not believable to me as, like, Magneto's muscle... No. no, it's it's not. It really falls short of the mark, and maybe he does look the part, but I think he looked pretty stupid. If you, if I'm not he doesn't look stupid, but I mean, as far as like what Sabretooth looks like, he looked. It's right. true to the yeah. It's true to the source material in that in that sense. If you mix the look with Lee Schreiber, his like portrayal of the character in the awful prequel, mm-hmm. at least like he's the one of the better parts of that movie. Exactly. So if you mix his look with his attitude, or the the look we get in this movie with his attitude, it's a much better Sabretooth. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And again, it's just, you know, not to say that the sequel has any, rede- or the prequel has any redeeming qualities to it, but at least we got the relationship between the two of them in that. Whereas this, like... Well, they don't have a relationship in this one. They he don't. Even know, they don't know who each other they, is. They don't know who each other is. But then, again, in continuity-wise, they just fuck up the continuity there. Well, the the whole, yeah, we can't. The whole reset later. It's, it's, we can't do this right now. Yeah, I think we needed a real actor playing Sabretooth. I don't. I don't know who plays Sabretooth. Tyler Maine. Last name I read. All right, but he's, he's not jumping off the page at me. Has he been in anything else? He was Kane in Citizen Kane. I made that up. Well, I don't even know I, if that's a character. That was Orson Welles. <laughs> About a hundred years I, prior I'm, to I'm that. I'm kidding. I know. You probably watch this coming out of what you've been watching next week. His first credit, in <laughs> so yeah, no. and his last credit. He's in the Rob Zombie Halloween from 2007 as Michael Myers. What? Girl, you don't see his face in that. He's either. Ajax and Troy. He's what? Ajax and Troy. Oh, not warriors. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> either we warriors or Deadpool. My that can't be right. So we should actually get into the coverage. Yeah, let's, yeah. Thanks for the email, John, if you'd like to send us an email. Also, zthpodcast at gmail.com. And thank you for the tweet. Rumple mats. Rumple mats. Or Matt. Yeah, that too. Whatever you prefer. There's a lot of mats involved in the podcast, I I figured. uh, There's one. You're right. (laughs) There's only one. So how did we feel about the title credits? Uh, so we it opens up with the weird oh the narration and the, the, narration the DNA and then sequence the DNA thing. I like it I think it's fine short to the point we get a nice little first voice we hear in the movie is Patrick Stewart yeah. the narration's a little dumb but I like the feel of it I didn't think much of it so I didn't hate it I mean it fits it works it did what it needed to do it set up that there's 
a jump in human evolution. This is a jump in human evolution, and we are now in the not-too-distant future. And we open up to Jean Grey at a Senate hearing, correct? Yep. Right. Are we going to go scene by scene? No, we don't need to. I'm All just right. saying that... We just got to hit the bullet points. Sure. We're not going to go scene by scene. Yeah, there's no need to do a scene by scene in this. So, I guess this is what X-Men is supposed to be about. It's like a civil rights... It, it lays the groundwork for the civil rights argument movies that they're going to make that follow this up. Because every movie, every X-Men movie in the series... From, he, from like this point on, is always a big civil rights argument. Do they need to be registered? Do That's what the X-Men are. X-Men are like this blank slate group that you can fill in any different group of people <laughs> from the norm. That's what's beautiful about these characters. And that's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> and naturally you have the big bad U.S. government trying to fight against what should be a very obvious argument. You know? Should we be making people that are slightly different register that they're slightly different? No. But here's the big bad government saying, yes, we should. But then they throw the, they could be dangerous card in there, and then... See, to me... Like, it's it's wrong, but it's tough to refute that argument. But to me, for me personally, my, my refuting of the argument, just as I was sitting there watching it, it was like... That's no different than a guy who can buy a gun, so what the fuck's the difference? Or like, her example, someone yeah. behind the wheel of a car. But we license drivers, but that's not the same. Yeah. But again, I think that the... Uh, but again, that's why I think gun arguments are a little... Like, the gun argument's different. There, anybody can... The, well, never mind. You need to be... You know, a driver's license to do the background check for a gun. Point taken. So well, I... Well, some guns. <laughs> yeah. You can buy a rifle, apparently. It's true. Depends on the state. You but that's what I mean. Mutant legislation, legislation based on the state, and you get fifty X Men movies. New York and California, mutants welcome. That's right. <laughs> Texas, mm, West Virginia. <laughs> Can't wait to see X Men Hawaii. <laughs> There's one guy walking around who can like <laughs> make flowers grow. Should he register? Yeah. His power is just to make pina coladas. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is the life of the fucking party. <laughs> Do we need to register him? I mean, we know who he is. There's only one of them. Just tell Phil we know where he is. <laughs> Phil, if you ever make one more pina colada without knowing, us, without letting us know, we know where you live. Yeah, so send it here. That whole thing happens. And we get our first look at the antagonist. Well, all of the major, mm, all of the major players are there. Both of them antagonists, really. The mini yes. one and the big one. You get Senator Kelly and Magneto. Magneto's in the crowd, not liking what he's hearing. We don't see his face for a dramatic effect. Mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart's listening in as well. As he's being described on Senator Kelly, like, there are mutants out there that are so strong they can control our actions with their minds. Yep. And then it's Professor X, and I was like, oh my god, he can do that. Amazing. <laughs> it's like they planned that camera angle for just that purpose. They nailed it. <laughs> it's clever filmmaking. It is. So... Once we get all of that good stuff, that's when we then get introduced to Rogue, right? I'm not a Rogue fan. I don't know about you. Maybe it's just Anna Paquin. I just don't give a shit about Rogue. She's but the catalyst. Not what? as great in this movie. Not great, but she's the catalyst for all of the things to happen, right? Unbeknownst to them yet. Unbeknownst to them yet. But, I mean, even from... And a, us, as viewers. I suppose so. But, I, she's the whole linchpin of the movie. Not just... Not even just... Magneto's eventual plan. Just as driving the plot forward, she's, yeah, she's she's what does it. More of a plot device than a character, I feel. I think that I think that's fair. 
I think she has some some moments where she gets to be a character, but they're so short lived. And she's then very one dimensional. She is very one dimensional. I now, can't touch people. I'm rogue. Did I guess so? Did her powers get her mutant ability kick in at like puberty or something, or that's at that exact they, moment? That's when they manifest as puberty. So and she had never kissed puberty. anybody at, up to that point. Well, so. she apparently never touched another human being. <laughs> that's what I was thinking the whole time. Wow. Well, it's they lived a pretty sheltered what fifteen years. Like, <laughs> well, here's the other thing, right? Like, there's the way that they show her powers manifesting is not like instantaneous as soon as she touches somebody. It's usually long, like longer moments, and that's when it happens. So, like, once she gets stabbed by Wolverine way down the line, she puts her hands on his face, and then like ten, fifteen seconds go by, and then boom. I forgot about that scene, but like. Really? No, no, not now, but prior to when oh. I saw them. Like, oh, okay. I watched, I got on the, ooh, and, like, maybe a couple of it. I was like, that's a pretty iconic I, I watched this movie today, so I didn't forget about it in the hour it took. <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> yeah, so that might just be what it is. It's like, it, she doesn't know how to use it, so it's prolonged contact, and at this point she hasn't really had anything. But then again, she seems to be pretty close to her boyfriend, so you would assume that she would have held his hand for a while. Without gloves on, because she's from Mrs. Fucking Sippy, where it's warm. And then after that, we meet Wolverine, unless you had something else to say about Rogue. No, again, that's it's, it's it. She gets freaked out by realizing her powers, and then she goes on her... She understandably freaks out when she puts her boyfriend in a coma. Yep. And, yep. And she does her Into the Wilderness thing and hitchhikes to Alaska. Canada? I think they're in Canada, but her, her eventual goal is to get to Alaska. Well, that was her, like... Trip goal. That was her end goal, right? Yeah, her end game was... That's her I'm running away from society goal. Well, I think it was the same goal. I think it, I think she just made an, an expedited trip, and it wasn't a sightseeing fun adventure anymore. It was an I need to get away from everything adventure. Maybe. Well, long story short, she ends up in the bush of Canada, where we meet Wolverine. Who's involved in some sort of underground fighting cage match ring. We don't talk about it. <laughs> First rule of cage match club is you don't talk about cage match club. Second rule of cage match club. Joe, delete that. <laughs> cage underground cage matches are like a pretty big theme in the X Men universe, right? Yeah, it's, they a, come up it's over happened and at over. least twice. Yep, <laughs> great use of at least. I think it's just the twice. That's it. All right. I figured if like X Men is real life, that'd be going on all over the place. Probably, but it'd probably be amongst all the mutants, as a, like we see in Apocalypse, as opposed to. And this one, where it's just mutant beats the shit out of idiot people who keep challenging him. I'll fight him. Sure you will, Junior. <laughs> Go on in, champ. At one point, did like it, it was just such. I mean, I guess it's safe. It was partially to not linger on it too much. Such an arbitrary like way to start and end a fight. Somebody gets dragged out. The guy comes in, decides to try to get another challenger, in, and then after that one, okay. We're all done here now. How many like how many people did you fight before this? These are all these are all burning questions that the audience wants to know, right? No, I hope not a lot. Four fights? I don't know. It, it makes no difference. I was just saying it to be dumb. I just have a problem with this fight because the guy starts punching and kicking Wolverine in the ribs, and he's fine. Yep. And then all of a sudden, when the fist makes contact, then the adamantium and his skeleton comes into play. It's just it's. It's dumb. Yeah, it's dumb. Because it would not not hurt him to punch Wolverine in the face before. Yeah, it should have. Yeah. I, that was the first thing I noticed. I was like, 
Man, he gave him a good right hook. Wouldn't the fucking metal skull have... 100% yes. There, there's about as much skin covering Wolverine's cheekbones as is covering his actual knuckles. Like, it should have done the exact same thing. But again, the big issue was later on, the guy's like, nobody takes a beating like that. He doesn't have a mark to show for it. Really? That's what gave it away? Not the fact that you were... You're also going to confront this guy who yeah. you're saying this about? You, you, the guy punched your fist with his fist, and it was like hitting a brick wall. Or an angle. Hand or it wrist. it my, looked like it. My favorite part of that scene is the friend girl. Like, just leave him alone. It's fine. Let's go. <laughs> He's going to kill you. Let's go. And to your point about the guy probably should have realized it when he started punching him in the face, the finishing move was a headbutt. And you hear, like, they did that, th- they did that thing in this movie where, like, they make all of the metallic sounds super, like, audible. I actually like that. I don't mind it either, but it's like what they did in, in Iron Man 1. Every time any any part of the Iron Man suit moves, like, you can hear it, like, it's audible. They do the same thing when Logan's in the ring. It sounds like he's cracking metal bones. Well, like, so like, as, after, the, after the hit hands, because before that you get no, no metal dings, and yeah, then after nothing. that it's like all the bells are ringing. Yeah. So Rogue sneaks a ride with Wolverine. They leave, and she he catches her. Yep. And then we get eventually to the Sabretooth thing. Sabretooth knocks a tree over. It's amazing that he found them, but we're not going to talk no, about it. Just happened. I, you know what? This is this is a big problem with the movie. I think we should probably dig into it Wait, because it is. happens twice. Twice this happens where first Sabretooth manages to find them in the middle of nowhere, but at least Sabretooth is technically like. Got the same smell ability, and like, but he's never smelled them before. Yeah, he's never I get met it. Them. Probably it's problematic. I get it, but I, I, at least he's got some tracking ability. Sure, just basic tracking ability. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it either. I'm just making an excuse. The X Men, on the other hand, have no fucking excuse. Why did they show up? Cerebro. So so he's just Xavier is just sitting there like, I wonder what Sabretooth is doing today, huh? Looks he's like trying, he's in Canada he's trying to get a lead on Magneto, or. He was just checking out for any new interesting mutants doing stuff. He's like, oh, there's two mutants traveling together. Dude, I don't know. I, I'm willing to rationalize that more than Sabretooth showing up. I'm, I'm firmly on the opposite side of this. I'd be on Cerebro 24-7 without Professor X. I feel like that would kill you. Or yeah. Professor X for it that probably matter. would. As would much def- as I can. It'd definitely I kill you. <laughs> yeah. He'd be fine. He might be okay. But the point is, like, at least Magneto has a plan that involves Rogue. But does he know who Rogue is at that point? We have to make that logical assumption. He has to. For for that to be a thing, he has to know who Rogue is. But why does he know? Did it make the Mississippi news that maybe, she put her boyfriend in the Maybe. Coma? I don't know, man. This pothole. This is, that's, a, that's a big one. This is problematic. <laughs> but that is also actually a fair point. It probably did make the Mississippi news. Well, but this is also very early internet days, so how would he have figured it out? Sure. It's a comic book movie. It's an early one. They're full of these. They are full of them. I agree it's dumb, but we're going to move on from this. Sure. <laughs> we should. You know what else is a big problem with the scene? What starts the fire in the back of the the camper? The propane tank? No. Propane doesn't just start fire. Something would have had to ignite that fire. You, they, they show it, too. The, the camera goes to the back, and just like this pile of like closing the corner, it goes... Like, what the fuck started this fire? Those were actually oily gas rags. <laughs> oh, the oily and gas rags. And when they rub together, they create the sparks. Yes. That's right, that's right. I don't know how science works. 
So after that, Magneto captures Senator Kelly. I mean, don't I we get? Bring... Don't we go to the mansion first? Oh yeah, that's true. We go to the mansion, yeah. um, and we get after Wolverine wakes up and runs around. He walks into Professor X's office, and we get the exposition dump of expo- the entire background of the X Men in like four minutes, which is you know pretty impressive. It is. But it's like every every piece of backstory that we could possibly need for this happens in that four minutes. It is... Well, we got their code names. That's pretty much it. The code names, we get what the school is, we get that underground, he has like a whole secret organization that's there to fight other bad mutants. We get it all. This is actually my favorite scene in the movie, not because of the exposition dump, but just because of I've always wanted to go to the Xavier Institute and be an X-Man. So that every time I watch it still, it still gives me that feeling of joy. I'm like, yes, this is this is the school I want to go to. They do nail the look of the school. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, it looks great. I've driven through Westchester and been like, i got to find this damn mansion. <laughs> it's here somewhere. Westchester is only so big. The underground. One problem I have with this, I have a problem with most movies that came out in this like 98 to like 2002 range. So much chrome. Everything's chrome. Everything. Yeah. Even the logo of the movie's chrome. Yeah, that shiny metal. That's another... Like, again, I said that doesn't really hold up too well. That's part of it. I mean, that's, that fit the time. I think that was in for the time, but... I don't know. doesn't doesn't sit well now. There was... How you think? There was a Morton Joe before his time. <laughs> shiny and chrome. He did that for you, Matt. Uh, yeah. I guess the, uh, the underground looks exactly like what I expected it to look like, I think, though. At the same time, kind of like a... You need really heavy reinforced doors for that place. True. I mean, you can justify what you want. I just... There's a danger room down there, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> just the look. This is everywhere. That's fair. Also, their suits. Not great. No, and it's... Yeah. Their suits were better than what they looked in the actual source material, though. We can agree to that, right? But the source material at least has a character, you know? This is just everyone's one-note uniform. It's a school uniform, but for the... Superhero team. I guess it makes more sense to do it that way. It just takes a lot of personality out of the movie. For sure. Which is what this movie really needs outside of Wolverine. Right. I mean, it would be kind of dumb if they made Wolverine run around in yellow and blue spandex. They should just, just have given him a jacket that's yellow and blue. Like, just something. I mean, he drives the motorcycles enough during the movie. Like, you could definitely give him a motorcycle jacket that's, like, got yellow and blue in it. Yeah. I think that's Mostly yellow, one. though. I did like his leather jacket in this a lot. Like, I want it. You can I probably like, find it. I like Logan's look in general. I think he his, his look is exactly what you would expect out of a guy who's just been kind of wandering around Canada for the last 15 years. Yeah, I think all the looks in this movie are done like... The characters look like they're supposed to, with the possible exception of... Actually, no, Storm's not bad either. Storm fits. Storm's actual X-Men uniform looks more... Accurate than any of the other ones. Yeah, she has like a little cape. She's got the little cape thing that attaches to her wrists. I have a question for you. It, I mean, it's a little bit of a tangent. Is Hugh Jackman the most well casted comic book hero of all time? Mm. Hugh Jackman as Logan. No. No. Nope. Is it? I think it's the Beto. I think it's. I think it's he's up there. Definitely top three. For yes. Me. There's no. There, no. There's no arguing that he's top three. Right. I don't think he's number one. I like. I like Chris Evans as Captain America. That's my number two. And then Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. That's yes, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's probably our top three. That, yes. I think so. In yeah. some order that we haven't yeah. determined yet. No, my, my, have, that's my top three, but it's muddled. I think 
I don't know. Logan might be number one for me. He looks perfectly like. I'm I'm firm. Evans is three. Jackman is two. Downey Jr. is one. I'm firm on that. It's debatable, though, right? I mean, you can. I mean, there's certainly debate, and I don't. I think that there's merits to saying that Logan would be better than Robert Downey Jr. You know what I mean? Like, I, there, there's valid arguments. It's just my personal opinion. Again, because this is a subjective type of thing. My number one will always be Robert Downey Jr. It's tougher for Hugh Jackman, though, because he's not. He never gets to wear what he's supposed to wear based on the cartoon and the comic books, but you still know it's him. Well, they do that thing with his hair, where instead of giving him like the horns on the helmet on the helmet piece, they just like Ace Ventura his hair so that he's got like the two like True. lumps, which they move away from as the movies progress. But in this one, they give him they give him the hair that kind of they give him the hair hey. sometimes. Sometimes, some scenes it's all frazzled and. Messed up. Sure. Not for nothing, Professor X is pretty much right on the money also. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Patrick Stewart is like the dream casting but every, for Professor I, X. Can you imagine if he said no? Well, did he, like, he did. Get? Oh, my gosh, you guys haven't heard this story? He did say no. They pulled him in to say, hey, we want you to be Professor X in this upcoming X-Men movie. He said no, and then they showed him a comic book, and they were like, and he was like, Oh, my who, God, it's me. Who, who decided to draw me in this comic book and he's like no this is what Professor X actually looks like and then he was compelled to do it because he looked so they, much the part and slid this giant pile of money across the table <laughs> cool. and he was like how many movies? <laughs> that's also true but yeah apparently he, he said yes after realizing how similar how similar he looks to Professor X it's smart negotiating if you look like that to say no first gonna, it's smart negotiating because they're going to throw a lot of zeros that's true. That's also Actually, yeah. I mean, I think they were going to throw a lot of zeros at him, anyways. Who was it going to be? Again, they got to convince Michael Caine to shave his head. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine who else they get to play Professor X. Luckily, I don't have to imagine because they got Patrick Stewart. The casting in this movie is pretty spectacular. It's so good. It's right on. Except for maybe Halle Berry. I don't. I don't love her. Well, who else are you going to get to play Storm? I don't know, but she's not great. She's not. All, she's not. All, she's not bad. It's, but she's not great. As we said earlier, it is, it's an ensemble movie, but like... But everyone else fits so well, I feel like Halle Berry fits well enough. I mean, I'm not walking out of a movie That's theater. That's Sabretooth. Sabretooth sucks. Yeah, I'm also, you're not walking out of the theater saying, like, oh, Jean Grey was amazing in this either, you know? She fits, she works, but it's not, like, perfect. I kind of feel that, well, Patrick Stewart was great, Ian McCollum yeah. was great, those two are fantastically Mystique. casted. Mystique is good. But that's more effect. Though. That is more effect. I think James Marsden is a really, really well-casted Cyclops. He, he looks is, the he part. Looks the part. If, if he was a little bit taller, he would be absolute, 100% perfect casting for Cyclops. Yes. He's just written bad. It's always going to be the problem. And Anna Paquin is rogue. Okay, I don't like her that much I either. I don't like her at all. Okay, so we have, we have three or four we're not crazy about. But you're never going to bat a thousand either. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, this is still well above average for what we get. But they expect. hit home runs with uh, Stuart Jackman... Marsden, McKellen. Yeah. They did a very, very good job across the board, even even in their their hiccups. Because at least Anna Paquin has that accent. That accent. She didn't have it in real life, though. I mean... I thought she did. No. No. I don't think so. Was she just practicing it for the, uh... Whatever that other show that she True was... True Blood? Yeah, because she, she has, like, a Cajun Southern accent in that. It's like, it's, like the, it's like the same accent. Oh, she played, like, a Upper West Side kid in Finding Forrester. I mean... I don't know. I don't know. These actors do so many different things from so many different regions. I can't tell what they're act, what they actually sound like in real life. Andrew Garfield's British. Who the hell knew that? Yeah, that's true. 
Anna Paquin's from Canada. Yeah, that sounds wow. right. That actually sounds 100% right. I was about to look it up. Actually, she was born in Manitoba, and she grew up in Wellington, New Zealand. And I thought her accent was pretty bad. It, was, it seemed kind of forced to me. Again, I'm nitpicking because I don't like Anna Paquin. Okay. Like anything. That's fair. I've only seen her in, like, X-Men movies, and I think I watched two episodes of the True Blood before I just decided enough's enough with this crap. I hated that show. I think I may have gotten three or four episodes deep before I quit, too. So we meet all the X-Men, and Senator Kelly gets kidnapped. Yes. And he gets turned into a mutant with Magneto's fancy gyroscope thing, device, whatever that's called. I would love for somebody to explain to me how Magneto's power runs this thing. I don't understand this machine at all. Something about spinning the... I don't know, man. I don't know the science behind it. This is the effect that really bothers me. Is it the bubble? It looks dumb, man. It does look kind of dumb. It doesn't look great. Back to the Future came out in 85. Any DeLorean flash you get is way better than that. I think this is a case of them having too much CGI budget and being like, let's see what we can make with this. We're not going practical effects. We want gross bubble net. Ugh. It's not great. I hate the the fact that it, it drives the point, like the, the whole bubble net thing drives the point home. It does, like, I can I can actually see the area of effect, so to speak, which I kind of liked about it, but it looked... Terrible. I concur. But again, I'm way more hung up on the fact that <laughs> I don't understand how Magneto of all mutants is the one that can make this thing work. I just don't get it. Well, of all mutants, he would be the one to make it work. To make the thing spin? Sure. But what is it, like, what is it, fueled by, like, we don't have any, no background on how it works. That's for the best. I guess. I don't, I don't understand how you explain this properly. It creates radiation by spinning... Things and oh, turns and it's people ra- into mutants. It's, it but it doesn't radiation. affect mutants. I cheat before every podcast and I look at the plot synopsis of Wikipedia and they describe it as radiation. They describe it as radiation? Yes. Yeah. So, they say it in the movie. Do they? Yeah. That's how the uh, professor, I think, explains it. It's radiation that turns humans into mutants. What's the effect on mutants? It appears it has none. Well, Except it kills any mutant that runs a machine. Well, it takes power to run. Right. Uh, yeah. So, and, and he can't do it for very long. No. Which is why he uses Rogue. That's because the whole she's full plot. of youth and pep and... Youth and pep and can absorb powers. And he's just going to run it run until she dies, right? Pretty much. Okay. Turns out he only runs it until she gets white streaks in her hair. <laughs> Which is, you know, good for her. Good luck. Works. I, just real, I just realized that's probably like old age setting and like, like all the, that's the trauma her body is going through. I just made that connection. I was like, it's stupid that it turns her hair that. And I was like, oh, I guess that kind of makes sense in a weird way. Yeah. Her hair should have fell out, right? It's all that radiation. <laughs> it doesn't affect me. Okay. Damn it. <laughs> Calm down. Sequel, I will fight you to the ends of the earth and the Calm dumb down. science in this movie. doesn't affect me, except it turns her hair white. It's an effect. Well, the, the, her using the machine practically aged her. The radiation doesn't age her. Okay. The exertion on her body does. Anyway... Uh, one of my more nitpicky gripes about this, which I think is still problematic, is Storm's use of ability across two different scenes. So the first time we see her doing Storm-like things is in the Westchester train terminal, right? Yep. So... Well, uh, technically... Yeah, she uses when snow. The yeah, when they're saving... Yeah. The first time we see her use lightning, she is... 
in the train terminal. She's getting choked out by Sabretooth. Toad rips Scott's eyeglasses off, makes a hole in the ceiling, which then allows her to have control and strike lightning bolt straight down and under Sabretooth. Yes, yep. we agree? Sure. We needed the hole in the ceiling for that to work? Yes. So why then, when she gets knocked down an elevator shaft, without a hole in the ceiling or anything like that, then she can also control lightning? Because reasons... I don't know. Continuity issue. Yeah, it's not great. What do you think of uh, this? So, um, Magneto's crew. So we meet the X-Men, we gotta meet Magneto's crew. Sabretooth, we're kind of down on. Toad's fine, right? Toad's fine. Toad's actually kind of OP. He just squishes people into oblivion when he lands on them, which is what? He weighs like 140 pounds. Did we see him do that at all? Yeah. Yeah. He lands on a dude and completely like flattens him. You hear his bones crunching and everything. Nice. He eats birds. He eats a bird. (laughs) I'm going to assume he's done it before. (laughs) It seems like he enjoyed it. Mystique's awesome. Yeah. I I love that effect. I love the way that they do that effect. Even when Jennifer Lawrence takes over, they hold on to to that particular change. So I think they, they kind of hit a home run with the way that they chose to do it, and they stuck with it. Her looks great, too. Like, I remember watching all these specials on how they how long it takes them to apply the makeup and yeah, all that is, is pretty spot on. Your power is very useful. Comes into play quite a bit every turn. And Mystique should have been the muscle. She pretty much is, right? Yeah, but I guess she's so useful. She does a lot the, of like the sneaking, yes. the sneaking around that she has other jobs. But realistically, as far as like doing things that the muscle needs to do, she's done it way more effectively a number of times. The Sabretooth, I mean, I'm sorry, the Wolverine-Mystique fight is my favorite scene in the movie. Okay. And I like the filmmaking technique they use, because originally you get Wolverine versus Wolverine, and then when he stabs Storm as Mystique, you don't realize that she turned into Storm. At least I didn't, because I'm like, okay, I'm expecting two Wolverines. So when Wolverine stabs Storm, I'm thinking, all right, that's the bad Wolverine, right? But like no, she turns back in. It's it's kind of a good technique they use. It was definitely aspect in there. It was definitely like the surprise. Well, you can you can see him him sniffing because that's what Wolverine does when he's tracking and like hunting, I guess. So he can tell that that's not Storm's scent, that that's someone else or the person who was previously him. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. Like that that's the only. That requires knowledge of the X Men, though. Right. No, but for for the this the technique that Singer uses. Yeah, that, that works. Also, again, first time not knowing the reveal or anything like that. He doesn't exactly linger on the sniff. It just kind of happens. And then the staff happens is like the oh shit moment. But then it turns out to be okay. Like, I, li- I, did, I really did like that. It's a subtle throw in there for the fans. It's not, sure. no, it's not 100% subtle, but it's subtle enough. Mm-hmm. Then we get possibly the worst written line in this movie. Do you know what happens to a toad? That is, like that is my least favorite part of this entire movie because that line is so bad. Line is garbage. Is delivered poorly. Supposedly... Well, you can't do much with that fucking line. That line is terrible. Supposedly, it was supposed to be a callback. Earlier in the movie, Toad was supposed to say something to Storm. Like, similar. So what, it got cut or something? Yeah, and it got and it got cut. But they kept... But they kept the... the totally the, useless retort. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's actually the only time in the movie that I dislike Storm, though. Everything else, I think she does pretty good. Personally. Yeah, I have no issue with Storm. Acting-wise. She probably buries Storm to me. Because I mean, we got so many movies with her. And she she's different in every single movie. That's what I don't like. Like, she portrays the character differently in every single movie. 
It's so inconsistent and it's maddening. So, I mean, I'm going to jump to the other question that we got in the email. Okay. When they're inside the, what is it, the head of the Statue of Liberty at the end of, towards the end of the movie, yes. towards the end of the scheme, when uh, Storm explains what happened to Senator Kelly to Magneto, and he's like, are you sure you saw what you saw? Jonathan thinks maybe they changed or cut something, or that they planned for the Senator to have a bigger role. I think in that scene, that's just Magneto questioning Storm's truthfulness, because I think he just want. I think he thinks that she's just trying to get him to stop and not go through with the plan, so she's making up the story, but everyone's going to die, although he doesn't really care that much, I guess, but... So, for me, watching it today, I actually had the same question. Because the way that Magneto delivers the line, the, are you sure you saw... Like, the, just the way just the way he does it, it seems like we're missing something. So, I think it sounds accusatory of, like, she's just making it up and trying to come up with some excuse for him not to do it. That like makes more been, sense. Should have been more of a back and forth. It's like cut wrong. I don't know. It's, like, kind of abrupt to me. And again, I don't think it matters... That's the other thing, right? Like, I don't think it matters either way. Magneto's already proven he's not above killing humans. He thinks that humans are on their way out, and he brings it up at every turn in this movie franchise that... Well, humans are the enemy. Humans are the enemy, and he doesn't mind killing them at all. So, even if his radiation turned you into a mutant machine, kills the entire head of the UN... That's not a bad thing. Of course, the bigger question is, isn't the UN building in New York already? Why are they on Ellis Island for this? I don't. Was it like a concert or something? It was a, it was a summit. Yeah. I think it was just a gathering of... But isn't the UN, all, the UN building already in New York? It's in the city, yeah. Do you want to have a big meeting in the middle of the city? Ugh. Was it like that's meeting? where they always have their meetings. It looked like it was like a... Gala. Gala, yeah, like, a, but they don't. But like, they call it a summit. I think is the word that they use. They'll dress. They're dressed yeah. for the yeah. nines. I mean, the black tie affair. They should have just called it a gala for like a UN summit. You're just at the UN. A glass summit. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we have a strong villain and a recurring villain. Magneto is such a good villain in this movie. Yeah, yeah, villains and heroes of their own story. You totally understand Magneto's viewpoint in this. Oh my god, yeah, from start to finish. They even opened the movie with him in Auschwitz, which is... I'm God glad they, hopefully they stopped doing it, because they've done it twice now. It's going to turn into the new Uncle Ben getting killed thing. When do they do it again? Or the Wayne family dying. Spoilers, guys. They do it in, um... Uh, first Class. First Class. You've never seen First Class, so you don't know that. Kevin Bacon. Yeah, it's different, though. It's done... It's, it's not the same, but it's the same premise. Hmm. I do... I think it really rounds out his motivation. Like, you know that, like... Oh, you know, and, and yeah, it's, it, for his for his character and for this movie, it's great. Yeah, because like you know, he's not a huge fan of humanity, not under, like not understanding them. I, like that, I understand. He's already been but persecuted against as a group once. Yeah, he sees the worst. Or he's literally seen the worst that humanity yeah. has to offer when it comes to like persecuting somebody that's different. I love that, and not that it happens in this movie, but something that comes up a bunch of other times. Is, or at least one other time, is I think it's... It's not X2, it's the third one, where they're like he's going into like a group of mutants, and one of them's like, where are your markings? Because I guess the, the mutant community got really big into tattoos. That's the third one. Is the third one? I'm it, pretty sure. Yeah, not a great movie, but the scene, like the way he delivers this line was great. The chick is all being snarky, he's like, well, where's your markings? And then he like pulls up the, the Auschwitz tattoo, 
He's like, I've been marked once, I'll never do it again. Like, I love that moment. Again, really, it, it helps you sympathize with the character, which is important once in a while with the villain, like, at least... You could totally understand his viewpoint. Yeah. Like, you could side with Magneto in this argument if you wanted to. I do. <laughs> and it's totally justified in the way it's presented in this movie. I'm just happy he's a recurring villain throughout the franchise. Again, like, you have to do it that way, but, like... Yeah, if he didn't meet we, the sequel standard, that would be terrible. That he's, be he's like their main awful, antagonist. Right? He's the one that they can defeat but never kill. Like yeah. He's their Joker. That would be like Superman snapping Lex, Luthor, Lex Luthor's neck in the first movie and then never, ever talking to him again. Right. Yes, as you said, he's their Joker. Do we ever get a more than one Joker throughout a Batman series? No. No, you don't. You just don't get it. It doesn't happen. But in the actual, but again, actual source material wise, he's, yes. he's the, always the reoccurring one. It's source material for all of these guys. They don't kill the villains. The villains keep coming back. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's the heroes. And it's, their, and it's their, fla- their, it's their fatal flaw. It's the reason that they'll never be able to see peace and not have to fight anymore because they can't bring themselves to actually kill the bad guys. Did I say my favorite? My favorite part? Yeah. Um, no, I don't think you said favorite or least favorite. You said least favorite was this little that line. That was my least favorite. But yeah, I think was that also your least you. favorite. You said it was the most poorly delivered line. It was definitely the most poorly delivered line, but I thought I had a better least favorite moment than that. I had a question for you, since you've probably wore out the DVD. Is there any special features on it with, like, deleted scenes? Not that I remember. Okay. so that well, I mean, Mag- I'm sure there are. So that Magneto scene, no possible chance of it being... There's always a extended, chance. I guess. I don't remember. I don't know. But I remember when we touched on Wonder Woman, how we both thought something was missing with Charlie? There was some... There's no thinking about it. There is. Right. Well, yes. we've had a fight for that yeah. on the podcast. But I own the Blu-ray, and I just clicked the other day. I'm like, oh, i got to check the deleted scene. It's nothing. nothing. It's, it's just nothing. awful. It's just Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird that they put Scrooge McDuck on the special features. Of it's uh, Charlie's <laughs> Redemption. Charlie's Redemption, and it's just Scrooge McDuck swimming in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> No, my, uh, the least, the worst delivered line is the, what happens when a toe gets struck by lightning, but my least favorite scene is... Least favorite part. Least favorite part. Because it could be anything. I didn't do my least favorite yet, either. You didn't. Oh, it was the first time that we get everybody in, like, on the road. I, I hate that. When they're driving through Canada, and we meet Sabretooth, Logan, and Storm all in one fatal swoop... Because somehow they all managed to know where to be at the exact... Like, I hate I hate it. I hated it so much. The thing I hate the most about this movie is the mistreatment of Cyclops. But my least favorite scene is probably the first time Magneto fires off that machine and we get that bubble. I'm not a fan of that bubble. Looking yeah. poor. It does not look any better when it gets bigger later. It's very true. But at least I know what to expect at that point. Yeah. And in 2000, though, that knocks someone's socks off. When you turn on an epic machine, you're expecting something cool to happen. You know what's weird is that, like, I feel like if it was just not loosey-goosey and, like, kind of, like, moved like a jellyfish, and it was just an actual, like, radiating circle sphere, it probably would have looked cooler. Just make it, like, a light, a light flashing or something. Like a blast of some sort. I think they wanted to have it slowly covering ground. Like yeah, that effect. like a dramatic effect. That's what they did, that's so you wouldn't understand how far it affected... It doesn't look good. I'm not defending it. I'm just letting you know why I think they chose that specific pattern. Yeah. They did my favorite scene. What is your favorite scene, Corey? 
Did you do yours? I don't think you did. I did not. Um, my, my favorite is any time Wolverine has to recover from an injury. So, so many times. I know. It happens a lot, but like it's not like a specific thing. It's just a part. I just really like the way it looks. I like the way that they stuck with it. That does look pretty throughout. good. And, again, you get the really, really cool payoff at the end of the movie when he's trying to bring Rogue back to life. He holds her face or whatever, and then... All of the the scratches and scars and stuff that he's gotten over the course of his life start popping up one at a time. And you get these three across his face saying that at one point when he didn't understand how his claws worked, clawed the shit out of his face. I like that. I don't remember seeing that in Wolverine's Origins. No, me neither. They would have made that a scene in that awful movie if that were canon. When he's in that old couple's house. Destroying their bathroom. <laughs> I could totally comb my hair with these. Oh shit. Son of a bitch. That's gonna leave a mark. Or will it? <laughs> That's X-Men. And those are our thoughts on X-Men. If you've never tuned in before we read each movie that we review, give me a number of Infinity Stones from 1 to 6. 1 is the low end of the spectrum, 6 is the high end. If you give it a 6, you can also give it a gauntlet, which is the highest score possible. And now, let's read some X-Men. I'll go first and give you guys some time to think. Sure. Keep this short, because we've already run long on this, but I'm going to give this movie four stones. I still like this movie to this day. I think it's probably second or third best X-Men movie. It's before the X-Men took a turn for the worse for a while, took a big dip, and then came back up. I like so many of the castings, we've already beat this to death. The writing of the movie could use some improvement, but it's got good action. The effects were decent for the time, have not aged well, but the movie itself is still relevant today, and I would watch it anytime. I actually wrote a paper on this movie. Nice. What'd you get on it? I'm pretty sure I got an A, because I'm awesome. <laughs> that checks out. It was about, like, uh, use of sounds in movies. Oh. Okay. So I could pick any movie I wanted. I'm, like, I'm going to do X-Men. Nice. Why not? Hey, Corey, what did you... What do you want to give this movie? I'm going to give this movie three stones. Um, it's good. It's entertaining. The writing is a little bit iffy at some points, but at other times it, like, knocks it out of the park. The graphics didn't age spectacular, but for what it is and from what I remember, I left the theater in 2000 and be like, man, those were really good. So I'll give that, I mean, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt, you know. It didn't age as poorly as some other movies. And the one thing I forgot to mention as to why I think the graphics do kind of hold up, that one scene where Wolverine has to, like, claw into the uh, Lady Liberty's helmet thing, and, like, he goes, like, all ar- around all four, and, like, lands on it again, that looked really good now. So, I mean, they do they do, do some things really well. Like I said, outside of, I mean, it didn't age as, it wasn't as good as I remembered, but it was still entertaining. Three stones. And sequel, finish it off. I'm gonna give the movie four also, just because it kind of, it does a good job of laying the groundwork for a franchise. Again, as you said, it's very well casted. The writing is a little lacking, but it's not terrible. Um, that one effect kill kind of kills it for me, but again, to your guys' point, it is the year 2000, and it did uh, improve as the films progressed. I don't think I would have it as the second best X-Men movie. 
I think I have around four. As it, was, as it was saying that, <laughs> second and third, I, th- I think I meant third or fourth. Yeah, I, I mean... I'm definitely not second best. I can think of two right now that are better. Logan and X2 are off the bat. I wasn't even counting Logan in that, so it's probably four or five then. I would go, lo- just off the top of my head, Logan, X2. I really like Days of Future Past, and I like First Class. So, fifth for this one? Did I do that right? Logan, X2, Days of Future Past, First Class. Yeah, X-Men would probably be fifth. I guess I should see first class. Yeah, I really like first class. I think I think for me it's Logan, then first class, then they were really close, and then I love X two. And then it's probably like a three way tie between X two, the future past, and this. Okay, so you guys don't think Apocalypse is that good then? No, Apocalypse. you weren't on that one. No, I enjoyed it though. Apocalypse is fine. It's okay of a movie. It's it's worse than this, but it's better than the really shitty ones. I gotta go back and listen to that episode. Apocalypse has some really cool scenes, really cool moments. Yeah. But him as a villain, Oscar Isaac really dropped, well... He was fine. He's written... He's written poorly and he looks terrible. It's a terrible... Look great. They did a terrible treatment of that villain. They, they, they He's sure such did. a big villain. <laughs> Those are our ratings for X-Men. If you'd like to let us know about your rating for X-Men or let us know things that we missed, you know, or tell us who your favorite member of the X-Men team is, send in an email to zthpodcast at gmail.com. You'll also find us on Twitter, like, at RumpleMats, and uh, send us a tweet at zthpodcast. Take a... If you find Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters up in Westchester, take a picture of it. Post on Twitter and tag us at ZTH Podcast. Please, for the love of God, do that. <laughs> GPS coordinates. Search for us on Facebook, facebook.com slash ZTH Podcast, or in the search bar, type in Zeros Talking Heroes. Zeros and Heroes end in ES. And what you're going to want to also do is go and find us on iTunes or some other podcast app where you can give us a five-star rating. And do that and subscribe. And if you want to leave a review with your rating, we'll read that on the podcast, and that'll be great, because we haven't got one in a while. We got a new rating, but no review. So, someone listened 50%. And if you don't want to go through the whole ordeal of that, start telling people about the show. I'd be like, hey, listen to this podcast called Zero's Talking Heroes. It's fun. You should listen, too. And then we can talk about it. Because everybody needs a friend to talk about a podcast they listen to with. Yeah, I do it a lot. It really helps. Totally. I mean, I don't like listening to shows that other people don't listen to. You have no one to talk about it with. Sequel has no individuality. He only follows the crowd. I'm so glad you guys like Schmodown, otherwise, because I could tell us what we talk about, right? (laughs) Next time, here on Zero's Talking Heroes, it's finally happening. We're going to be doing Justice League. Is anybody else nervous? I'm not nervous. I'm just excited to find out how I feel about that movie, finally. (laughs) You don't know how you feel about it yet? I haven't seen it. But you don't, like, you don't have, like, like, a gut reaction looking at trailers or anything? I flip-flop constantly. I'm like, this movie looks like it's going to be bad, and I'm like, no, it might be good. No, it's bad. No, it's good. I'm just just hoping it's not three hours long. I think we're going to be fresh, Vanessa, if I fresh up this one. It's going to be somewhere, I'm fairly certain, I'm 100% certain, it's going to be somewhere between BVS and Wonder Woman. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's one that's... Probably smack dab in the middle. Yeah. I think that's actually a really fair assessment. I think it's going to be more towards the Wonder Woman side. I hope so. I'm hoping hoping so also, so DC, you can start giving Marvel over for its money. I think we're going to get a surprise appearance in this, too. I think we're going to get a Green Lantern. Constantine! (laughs) Maybe. I'd rather Constantine. We won't. 100% not Constantine. I think we're going to get a Green Lantern. 
Because they don't have enough people, and I don't think we're going to have that. No, anyway. The big, the big reveal is just going to be Superman coming back to life. That scene, though, that they tease in the trailer with Alfred, mm-hmm. that's not Superman. That would be really stupid if it was. It would be way too obvious. That's true. But he's coming back. And we've talked about this for way too long. So next time, like I said, Justice League. And until then, remember that every movie is someone's favorite movie. And good night. <laughs> <laughs>